You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our content. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775. A little bit different Thursday this week. Normally we would be talking about scouting reports and I think in the spirit of what has gone on this week and what is going on and, and what Green Bay is dealing with, rather than than go over a scouting report, I'm going to talk about things that I think will change or should change about this team with the new regime, with Joe Philbin, who, by the way, hasn't called plays since like high school. So we don't really know what that's going to look like. Uh, the only time he ever called plays before was at practice, and it's a little bit different at practice because a lot of that is just for reps, or you're saying, okay, we're going to run this against this look, and you're breaking it down. No one really knows what his rhythm is going to be like as a play caller. I have some suspicions, but we'll see. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Before we do, though, uh, the Packers put Kevin King on IR. That hamstring clearly was just not getting better and that's a pretty serious problem for this team in, in the big picture because Kevin King, sure, he would have helped them this week against Julio Jones and would have helped them against the Bears and Allen Robinson and would have helped them, you know, in general because he, when he's been on the field, looked like he had taken that year two leap. But the bigger picture problem is more troubling for the Packers because He was drafted 33rd overall. That is a second-round pick, but just barely. The Packers, as as fans are wont to point out, uh, took the option of not taking T.J. Watt. They took Kevin King later instead, allowing the opportunity to take Watt to pass them by and now are stuck without an impact edge rusher when Pittsburgh very clearly has one. Now, I still don't believe that that is... In a vacuum, the bad choice. They got the extra pick. They blew the extra pick. Turns out Vince Beagle may just not be very good. And although it did take Kyler Fackrell some time to develop into the player that he is and that he's become, it's not like Vince Beagle is suddenly somewhere else and lighting the world on fire. He's not. So when you look at what Green Bay got out of this deal, they they got a corner that seemed to be a premier talent and certainly from a physical tool standpoint is a premier talent by physical ability. And based on what we saw in training camp and what we saw in the preseason and even what we saw when he played on the field this year, his presence was clearly huge for this defense. 
and they have not played particularly well in his absence, or at least not as well as as they have when he's on the field. And that speaks to his talent and his ability. And when you look at the secondary, they have so many different kinds of corners that it really does make them a very versatile secondary when he can be out there. When he's not, then you're having to plug Tremont Williams out there who can't run like he used to. He's just sort of getting by on his guts and savvy and intelligence. Bashad Breland would be a very useful piece, and we've seen that at various points this season, but he can't stay healthy. I think a big a big factor in that is he didn't go through training camp, didn't go through the normal offseason because of this foot injury and the infection and, and all of the weirdness that went along with the reasons he wasn't ultimately signed in Carolina. And I think Green Bay has to look pretty seriously now at attempting to bring back Bashad Breeland because there's no evidence to suggest that they can rely on Kevin King. Nine games as a rookie, but only five starts. Six games this season, six starts, but only finished three of those games. And that is just, when when you pick someone that high and you pass up the opportunity to pick other good players, you just can't have this. And, you, you know, you look at, at the pick that Green Bay made this season with Jair Alexander, they passed up Derwin James. But it looks like Jair Alexander is really good, and they got an extra first-round pick. They need to hit on that pick, or th- the trade doesn't look nearly as good. It looks much better now when that pick is just an asset versus once that pick is made. But Green Bay, if they had gotten Kevin King, and they had drafted a player who can actually play some on the perimeter at outside linebacker and can rush the passer, then maybe you you think differently about the way that this goes. But you can't because that's not what happened. And so you can say, well, at the time it was good process and they got Kevin King, who is very talented, and they got this, this pass rusher who has some juice and some physical tools. Well, he never turned into anything and Kevin King can't stay on the field. And so this trade doesn't look good in retrospect. And and Green Bay missed on an opportunity to have an impact player on their team. Kevin King is going to have to be a player next year who can stay on the field and make an impact because he was a second-round pick, not a first-round pick, which means there is no fifth-year option on his contract. Four-year deal for him. So if he doesn't perform in year three, he could be playing for his life as a Green Bay Packer in year four. And Green Bay also has to has to figure out whether they can rely on him long term because they do have decisions to make like, do they try and re-sign Bashad Breland? Do they use more high draft capital on a cornerback, especially if there is a move like Josh Jackson to safety in this team's future? That's a, that's a lot to figure out here. Now they, now they made a corresponding roster move. They added Natrell Jamerson from Wisconsin, University of... So a lot of our listeners are going to be familiar with him, a converted safety. His last year played corner at Wisconsin. He is a big enough, 5'11", 200. He's thickly built, long arms, played on special teams, is is probably going to start there. But he's a versatile and athletic player. In fact, extremely athletic. Scott McKenna on Twitter found this stat. Brian Gutekinds has now added four of the top 13 players at the Combine in terms of 40-yard dash. Tony Brown, Jair Alexander, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Jamerson. 
So he is he is obviously trying to add athleticism and speed to this team, which is very, very important. This team for a long time didn't have that. This is the kind of move. This is a fifth round pick. And he didn't make the Saints, ultimately wound up on the Texans. But these are the kind of moves you make. I think Tony Brown can be a player, undrafted free agent. I think Jamerson, at the very least, can be a special teams player. He is a really good gunner and and has some skill in coverage. Could he be a hybrid safety corner for Green Bay? I think he could down the line. Also remember, he played at the University of Wisconsin. Who is the defensive coordinator at the University of Wisconsin? It's Jim Leonard. And Jim Leonard played in the NFL for Mike Patton. So there are obviously going to be some similarities in this defense. There are. And he should be able to, by the end of the season, maybe he turns in a little Lindsey Pipkins and and gets some regular season snaps at the end of the year when it's like, okay, we don't want to get Jair Alexander hurt. We don't want to get Josh Jackson hurt. We don't want Bashad Breeland to get further hurt. So we're going to put this guy on the field. Obviously, they can't rest all those guys. They don't have enough cornerbacks right now to, to field the whole team, especially with King going on IR. So I think there is a chance that that you're going to see him play before it's all said and done. He's going to have to just so Green Bay can field enough corners to put a defense on the field. I don't think anyone should feel like this is some magic salve for this defense. It's not. But it gives them an opportunity with a great athlete to get him in, get him coached up. We know Joe Witt is a very good cornerbacks coach. So get him coached up, get him in the scheme, and and maybe by week 16, week 17, he can give them some snaps that they can evaluate him on. And I, I think that's an important thing. Ibrahim Campbell also goes on IR. He had, he had had a, two solid games for Green Bay, getting getting legitimate snaps. I think there's a chance that that he makes this roster next year based on what we saw. And that's just, that's, I think that's really important. Kendall Donerson, also part of September call-ups. Um, he is going to be, I mean, he's going to play special teams for sure. And then I expect him to get some snaps on the edge. They're going to need him because Nick Perry is out. Nick Perry is done. So they have Fackrell, they have Gilbert, and they have Clay Matthews. And that's it. So Donerson is going to have to play and maybe he's got a little bit of juice Maybe he can build a little bit, little bit of momentum because he was a practice squad guy. So that means he's at practice every day. He's working. He doesn't have his coach anymore because his coach is not employed in Green Bay anymore. But he can still be getting important on-field reps. And these preparation reps, I don't think a lot of, a lot of fans understand how important it is just to, to prepare like a pro. Just to spend the week getting first-team reps. Because the attention to detail is different, and the energy is different, and the tempo is different. Everything about what you do as, as you're preparing to start a game, or at least get reps in a game, that preparation is different than if you're running scout team. And it, those are important reps to be getting. Now, he's not going to get a ton, but he's going to have to be getting like second team outside linebacker reps, because they just don't have anyone else. And, and these are important developmental snaps in practice and on the field for someone like Kendall Donerson. That's what they have to do now. And I didn't expect us to be here as quickly as, as after we last talked about it in terms of I felt like Green Bay should wait as long as possible to try and win as many games as possible before 
putting the, the young kids out there. Then they lost to Arizona and fired their head coach. Now it becomes evaluation time. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers talked about it. He talked about the difference, and, and this is something I want to get to a little bit later as well, but, but I just want to read this quote from Aaron Rodgers. He said, there's a little feel of kind of training camp because Mike's not here. There's new voices. I think everybody's kind of realizing that we're all under the microscope even more. Who knows what the changes are going to be after the season? So there's the feeling that more eyes are on all of us, whether Mark Murphy or Brian Gutekunst or scouts. So I feel like the energy was good today. Unfortunately, the urgency that you need early in the season, we kind of had that had it out in practice today. Joe Philbin also said when he got into the facility on Tuesday, it was the biggest group of, of guys in the weight room that they'd had all year. There is a sense of urgency now. When you fire your coach in the middle of the season, especially one as respected as Mike McCarthy and as accomplished as Mike McCarthy, the re- one of the reasons why you do it then, and we spoke about this earlier in the week, and a lot of, a lot of fans are like, oh, Mike McCarthy deserved better. And I don't disagree in a vacuum, but there's also a method here. There's a point behind it because it's up to Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst to set the standard. Winston Moss in his weird tweet had the hashtag Lombardi standard. Well, Vince Lombardi would not have been okay with losing to the Cardinals at Lambeau Field. In fact, they never did it. Seriously, never did it. 1949 was the last time the Cardinals beat Green Bay on the road, which means by definition, Lombardi didn't do it. So you have to send a message to your team. This is not acceptable. This season is not acceptable. And if we don't think you're performing up to the standards that we set here in Green Bay, you're done. You're out. And if Mike McCarthy can go, a Super Bowl winning coach, a a respected figure in the NFL, and you can look at the outpouring of support from coaches around the league, Mike Zimmer was, was like straight up mad about it. Sean Payton was indignant about it. These are guys that that Mike McCarthy has gone to war against and and beaten in big games. And yet they're saying, I didn't like the way that was handled. They didn't say that about Hugh Jackson. They don't say that about every coach fired. This is not just a coaching fraternity thing. Mike McCarthy has fans in the NFL. He could be the Cleveland Browns coach by the time you're listening to this. Probably not. But it is looking more and more likely that that is going to be something that, at the very least, the Browns highly consider. But the point that I'm making here is there there needed to be a tone change, an attitude adjustment, as my parents would say. And that's what firing your coach, your highly successful head coach, in the season does. It resets expectations for everyone and it amps up the energy. And that's what you need. You need these guys playing hard in the final four games and understand you're playing for your job. If not here, then somewhere else. And so if you want teams to evaluate you fairly, then you better go out and you better bust your ass. You better complete your assignment. You better find someone to block. You better find someone to hit. You better catch that pass when you have the opportunity. You better fight for those extra yards after contact. You better be in the right places at the right times because everyone's watching. The microscope, that's what Rogers calls it, the microscope 
the, the players feel under it even more, and they should. And that is one of the reasons why you make this move now. And and you and and to bring it back to our original discussion, Kevin King, you're under the microscope more now because your absence is more conspicuous on IR because it means your season is over and it means you. This is your second year in two seasons in the NFL that you end your year on IR, and so now. How does the front office evaluate that and evaluate the cornerback position moving forward? That is a major question and one this team has to answer. But if you're looking for an extra advantage to stay warm this year, the answer to that should be easy. It's called Action Heat. You've heard me talk about Action Heat before. This is clothing engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. This is not your... your old school heating blanket that, that, you know, the old ones were were legitimately dangerous. That is not what this is. This is modern technology, battery powered heated clothing, perfect for any friends or family on your Christmas list or holiday list for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or just anyone that doesn't like to be cold. I think that's everyone. Action Heat Clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. And we've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. I want to talk a little bit about how I see this, this offense in particular changing in these final four games. And I'm going to use some stats here from Graham Barfield, who, who writes about fantasy football for NFL.com, uses a lot of next-gen stats. And he had a tweet from earlier in the week. The Packers lead the NFL in pass rate on first down despite Aaron Jones' 6.5-yard-per-carry average on first down. I expect Green Bay to try and be a little bit more balanced on first down. This was a flaw of Mike McCarthy, and I think Joe Philbin is smart enough to recognize that. Give Aaron Jones the ball. Give him carries. And and if nothing else, you're not subjecting Aaron Rodgers to unnecessary hits in games that don't mean anything. Philip Lindsay, I mean, I don't I don't want to hear any more and fans defended it and I I just didn't get it. Like, oh, he's not some big back. Philip Lindsay is going to be a Pro Bowl player in Denver was an undrafted free agent. The, the Broncos drafted a running back. They, the Broncos drafted Royce Freeman with a top 100 pick. And he's not their running back. Philip Lindsay is. He's not any bigger than Aaron Jones. Don't tell me you can't have an every down back that's that size. The Broncos have it. And he's really good. And you know who else is really good? Aaron Jones. So they need to find more ways to get to the running game and stick to it. They abandoned it against Arizona, even though that game was close the whole way. Then they went to Jamal Williams for reasons that that don't seem at all clear. They tried to get a little too cute. The third and one toss was just a stupid play. Easily identifiable and horribly executed. This is one thing I, I, I will need to point out. Joe Philbin is not going to make this team execute better. There have been great clips all week from smart people who break down tape about the lack of execution. Ben Fennell had some plays. Dan Orlovsky had some plays where it was just like, this is this is a fine play design. It's just executed like crap. 
whether it was a blocking mistake or a mental mistake or a poor route or poor depth or a poor throw. I mean, if it's not one thing, it's another. And on a lot of plays, it's three or four things. And when when you have that many execution problems on an offense that everyone knows on this on this offense, I mean, this team knows the plays. I mean, Justin McCray just not blocking guys. He played last year. He played a lot. Now, I know he's a little bit rusty, hasn't played for two months, but you got to block somebody. Jimmy Graham, you've been playing this position long enough. You got to run better routes. Aaron Rodgers, for crying out loud, make some more accurate throws. Now, there was a stat, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I think this is another change that this offense is going to make. The Packers lead the league in throws over 20 yards. Those throws are harder than shorter throws. I don't know if you knew that. The further the ball travels in the air, the less likely you are to be accurate with it. And even though there have been some open receivers, you're, you're going to hit a lower percentage of those throws. That's one reason Aaron Rodgers' completion percentage is lower this season than it's been in years past. I think you're going to see fewer shot plays. And I think you're going to see fewer plays designed with those shots. You still have to have those in the route concepts because you still have to clear out safeties and you still have to make space and you still have to play with space. But I think you're going to see much more uh, in the middle of the field route combinations. The Packers lead the league in passes outside the numbers. We've talked about this. A lot of that's because that's where Devontae Adams has been running a lot of his routes. That has to change too. Slants, posts, crossers, in-breaking routes. Devontae Adams crushes teams with those routes. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I mean, how many times do the Vikings just run Adam Thielen on a crosser and just say, just run? And, and Adam Thielen is a great route runner, but there are plenty of times over the last two years where they have just asked him to run a simple drag route. We're going to come from the slot all the way across the field, and if our protection can hold up, we just don't think you can run with our receiver. That should be what you do with Marquez Valdez-Scantling regularly. Equinemia St. Brown, all of the plays that he has made, all the plays he made in the preseason were on digs, posts, slants. He can make plays along the boundary. He is huge, and he can run. And he is probably their better move slot, big slot option than Jimmy Graham, who has looked lumbering, who has, I don't know if he's not in shape or what, but he has not been running good routes he just, this, it looks like a, a, a misstep by Brian Gutekinds. And I've, I've been waiting all season and reserving judgment. Okay, he's just got to get healthy and there's a mess with this offense and whatever. He just doesn't look right and hasn't all season. So I, I would actually, frankly, love to see a little bit more Robert Tanyan, Big Bob. I don't think Lance Kendricks needs to be on the field. I want to see Mercedes Lewis and Big Bob Tanyan. Jimmy Graham is hurt. They're holding him out, uh, it seems like. And so maybe he just won't play this week and we're going to get to see Big Bob. I would love that. That would be awesome. Um, obviously, we know the the bit about throwaways. I don't know how schematically the Packers lead the league by miles in throwaways. And I don't know how you fix that other than you have you throw a little bit more quick game. The Packers ran just 10 plays against the Cardinals in spread. I don't understand it. Someone's going to have to explain it to me. Maybe someone smarter than I am. But the spread with the hurry up has always been the antidote to offensive stagnation for the Packers under Mike McCarthy. I mean, we're going back 
to like 2011, Mike McCarthy changed Brett Favre's life and career when they went to five receiver sets and played more hurry up. And that we're talking about years ago, 2006, 2007. When Aaron Rodgers and this offense has struggled a little bit. Okay, four receivers on the field and a running back. Spread. Four, four out, five out. Three by one, three by two, four by one. All sorts of tempo. Let Aaron Rodgers call the plays. Where is that? Your season's on the line. And and Rodgers, I mean, look. He drove them right down the field to get the game-tying field goal. Playing no huddle. Why was this not the, 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 the go-to option for weeks? I mean, if you want to point to, just point to one thing that this offense has not done well. They have not given themselves opportunities by going to the stuff that has worked. The tempo works. The no huddle works. And I think to me, that is the biggest evidence and indication that the reporting about the, the pissing contest that Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers were having over who's smarter and the play changing and all that stuff. Why don't you go more no huddle? Well, that means Aaron Rodgers is calling plays, not Mike McCarthy. Well, then you can't have this headbutting if Rodgers is calling the plays. Mike McCarthy can't say anything because Rodgers is doing the thing. And it seems like that's that happened to the detriment of this team. And when those kinds of things go before team success, that's when your head coach has to go. Because Rodgers should be up there changing plays at the line of scrimmage. That's what he does. Tom Brady does it. Peyton Manning did it. Drew Brees does it. There are, there are plenty of great quarterbacks empowered to change every play at the line. So this is not a unique thing. But Rodgers hasn't executed consistently enough. And they haven't been in a position to execute because what this team does best is spread you out and let Rodgers pick matchups and create space. And that, that allows Rodgers, if there is a blitz, get the ball out quick. He can't sit back there, hold, hold, hold. Get the ball out, get a first down, and, and move on to the next play. The other thing is they are bottom 10 in play action rate. I expect them to do more play action. That was a staple under Joe Philbin. Those 10 and 11 teams, I mean, I have never seen a play action offense like we saw in 2011 where they could get deep shots on every play action. They would get Jordy Nelson wide open or they'd get him on a safety running away. It's like, just run that six, eight times a game with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They can't run with him. And if you double team him, you have something built in underneath where you're going to have Adams or EQ or someone running across the field and they're going to be open. I mean, this, is, this isn't that hard. Every other team in the league can figure out how to be successful on play action except Green Bay. Well, I think Joe Philbin is going to change that because that was part of his bread and butter with this offense when it was humming in 9, 10, and 11. All right, we'll be back tomorrow to answer more of your questions uh, and, and talk. There's a, there's a lot to get to. And so there's going to be a bouncing around of different kinds of topics, some free agents, some uh, coaching stuff, some mechanic stuff with, with the coaching carousel and, and all the things that, are, that come along with that. Maybe some NFL draft talk, offseason, all sorts of things to get to. So we can get to all of that tomorrow with your questions. 
In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Remember, it matters if you leave a rating and review for the show. It helps other people know that this is a good show, or at least that you think it is. And they'll go, hey, I like that. And you, we want more fans here. We want more people being a part of the Locked on Packers community. I think the community that we have, I'm, I'm so happy with all of the listeners and the fans that we have, you guys are awesome. I think you're you're smart. I'm, I'm always impressed with the questions that you're asking. And I generally feel like the people asking me about ridiculous coaching questions, like is Brett Favre a good option at OC? I feel like those are not my listeners for the most part. So don't be that person. If you are that person, uh, get a grip. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Uh, And anytime you do want to send me one of those questions, you can do that 920-341-3775 to let me know, oh, you know, how you're staying locked on Packers.